0: Hi, I'm Youngmi Mayer. And I'm Brian Park. And we're your hosts of Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. We explore and process our experiences with sex, dating, survival, self-worth, and everything in between.
1: We also invite
0: guests to talk about their own experiences, too. Some recent ones include Michelle honor of Japanese Breakfast, Ki Kwan... Bo and yang and the list goes on and on feeling asian has had a pretty exciting year so far after being named a top podcast of 2021 by cnn and being featured on apple and spotify's homepages. we hope the podcast is creating a compassionate space for asians asian americans and asians in america to be themselves without feeling as if their time is a fleeting moment tune into feeling asian every wednesday for new episodes
1: What's up y'all I'm Amanda Seals and listen I get it we're in some serious times, so I think some of y'all forgot I'm a comment she had them jokes I mean you forgot I had a whole HBO comedy special Ivy. Ivy. you forgot I showed love to how black women give compliments okay polka dots <laughs> and some shade to how white women move in corporate America stop cc'ing all these unnecessary people on these guys I get it, we've been cooped up for a long time. That's why the Amanda Seals Black Outside Again Comedy Tour is coming to a city near you. Go to amandaseals.com today and get your tickets so we can laugh and learn our way through this madness together. How black am I gonna have
0: to get? It's a good show. Hey guys, this is Aaron Woodall. I'm gonna be performing in Murray, Utah this Friday, July 27th at the Ice House. And then I'm going to be in Twin Falls, Idaho, on July 31st at the TF Brick House with Jinx Jenkins, who, with whom we just recorded a Patreon episode. Speaking of which...
1: Sure, free Mormon in the Meth Head is great, but have you tried just giving us money? <laughs>
0: <gasps> I haven't yet. Tell me more.
1: Go to patreon.com, Mormon and the Methhead, and for $5, you can get bonus episodes. You can see videos of me just laughing for no reason. (gasps) You can hear a podcast with our kids on it, (gasps) and you'll hear interviews that we do with other people who also have podcasts.
0: (laughs) Wow, this sounds great. I'm going to check that out. What was that address again?
1: Patreon.com backslash forward slash one of the slashes Mormon and the Methhead.
0: And now she's great on the internet and he's great in other places it's mormon and the meth head if you put a mormon and a meth head together this is what they sound like aaron would all just a read our friends listen to them talking to mike mormon. I don't poop, but (laughs) (laughs) that is true. That is true.
1: Okay. But if I ever do have a possibility of a spontaneous poop, it is during that like anxiety phase.
0: Oh, yeah. Right before a show. I know what you mean.
1: That uh, that's not my word. By the way, I did I know, know that someone. you
0: were going to say before a show. I don't want people thinking you said anxiety, and I immediately resonated <laughs> with that. <laughs> I realize now I kind of jumped the gun. You said anxiety, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah.
1: Right before a show, there is this like the adrenaline loosens the bowels a little bit and so i don't get as nervous as i used to so it's not it's usually a false alarm but sometimes i, I might lot. be able to i pee a lot anyway well I just I'm, before in that anxiety, in anxiety okay. phase yeah. I,
0: i'm usually peeing
1: i feel like that would have a different word but so but i do not <laughs> like to shit in green room bathrooms because there's something about me sh- okay i don't mind shitting in front of strangers like in the same but there's something about me shitting in a green room bathroom that will magnetically draw everyone to that. Like, if I shit in a bathroom, everyone wants to be in that bathroom immediately afterwards. Are you just talking about
0: your children? Are you taking your children in the green room? <laughs> no, you, other do you comedians. Do comi- comics? Or, like, as soon as you shit, all the other comics are like, hey, Jess, what's going on in here? What's up? I just thought I'd come in and just uh, show you like, this picture oh. I drew. <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> It's been a fun weekend at Go Bananas, hasn't it?
1: (laughs) Like, they all have to pee just as soon as I get done. So I go into the bathroom, into the public bathroom, and I walk in there, and there are two women. One's got red hair, I think. One's blonde. I... Go in and try to shit, but they're having some really serious conversation, like hanging out in the bathroom kind of conversation. Like they're not washing their hands and leaving like they're going to be here for a minute. So I'm like, I can't do this right now. And so I walk back oh, out. No,
0: you're one shot.
1: Yeah. And I walk out and she says, Jessa and introduces herself. And she says, and her, shows
0: you a picture that she drew
1: and she says, says her name and I don't recognize, and then I, this is where the anxiety kicks in. Cause then I'm like, uh, have we already met? Do I know you from the internet? Am I going to insult you if I inter- like, I, so I, I do this panic thing, but also I don't, I don't, I can't see, like I can't, when I know you from the internet, I can't, I can't actually see something as small as your picture. So I don't recognize. Right. Um, so then I go back and you and I have a conversation and you tell me that someone with the screen name Marshall smiles. Mm-hmm. is there but that and then we have a conversation about that and then i'm like oh my god i met her in the bathroom what a dumbass because i knew who marshall smiles is
0: so you knew at that point that the that you met that, that was ashley
1: yes okay but ashley was blonde in the bathroom
0: <laughs> sure sure she was
1: <laughs> then she's sitting up front while i'm on stage but now she has brown hair and she's eileen <laughs>
0: Eileen Dobbins, the comedian who opened for us. Yes, because I just watched Eileen's set. now front row. Now I
1: think she's sitting in front row, and I'm like, well, that's weird. Uh, but I keep making eye contact with you her. You really can't see. Right, and then I'm like, weird. She has a friend that looks just like Marshall Smiles' friend. And so... Uh- <laughs> the girl from the bathroom? It's yeah. weird that I... All right, all right. Cool. Yeah, so this is the train of thought. So then when we're outside, we're leaving, and the girl who I thought was Eileen comes out. And I realize it's not Eileen by the way that that we are interacting. That she says she's a podcast fan or whatever. And so then I end up telling this chick, a brunette, the story of me meeting Ashley in the bathroom. I was like, "Yeah, we just met a fan in the. I met a fan in the bathroom." She said her name was Ashley, but I know her as her like her screen name is Marshall something, and the Ashley is who I'm telling the story. <laughs> to. She's very and did she correct you? No. And so it wasn't until later that you were like, yeah, that's her. And I was like, no, she was blonde in the bathroom
0: and you were like, what the f-? So I had Which to- is her fault. She shouldn't have been blonde in the bathroom. <laughs> I feel like I re- I mean, come on. That's just feels like you're trying to confuse <laughs> Jessa. And stop it. And if
1: you could uh not turn into other comedians <laughs> while I'm on stage. So then I had to message her and be like uh, you were the one from the bathroom. <laughs> she was like, yep. And I was like, and then I told you the story <laughs> of meeting you. She's like, yeah, it seemed like you were just tired of meeting fans. And I'm like, "That's I just don't want anyone to think.
0: Which is true. <laughs>
1: that, uh, that that is the case at all. I'm just the worst. I mean, which like- is false.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I fucked that one up. It just meant that, like, you were not in a place to talk to people that night. You were like.
1: Yeah, I was nervous, and then I wasn't happy with my set afterwards, so I uh, was also flailing. Like, after you have a set that you didn't like, or you made a bunch of mistakes, it's the worst feeling you in the need world. to process yeah. it, and it's hard to talk to people, because the back of your mind is like, oh, remember when you fucked this lineup? Yeah. And so I didn't, I, I knew, I already knew beforehand that I hadn't been on stage in a while, and I'm not, I don't want to do this, and so, like, I, this isn't going to be my best show of the week. So there was that, and then I think because I had such a socially awkward night that night, it took me a couple days like I almost had like a like a regression of social anxiety for the next couple shows.
0: Uh yeah. <laughs> There's been a lot of people this has been a fun tour. We yeah. have had big crowds and we've had a ton of podcast fans out in all these different locations and it's been super fun. Um, and so all these people want to come talk to us after the show, and I've had to do a lot. Uh, most of the lifting, <laughs> like yeah. uh, just runs away, and I'm like, yeah, she's fine, she's okay. Anyway, guys, if you uh, want to get your, if you want to get like seriously name dropped on this podcast, uh, all you have to do is uh, come to a show, endure a horrifically awkward experience with <laughs> Jesse. And, and then like a week later, you get to listen to the podcast and we just say your name over and over and over and over again. It's very fun. It's very, that's a, that should be a, an option on our Patreon. I think uh, I got
1: my shit together by Tacoma, Tacoma. I sat down and so now I figured out cause you sell shirts and I don't have anything to sell. So it's awkward for me. You have the, the shirts as a way for people to come up and talk to you. So the last few shows, I've just sat down near where you're selling shirts and and talked to people, and it's been a lot better. But if you, uh, just please don't anyone think that I don't want to talk to you. It's just I'm uh I'm weird. Yeah, we're
0: actually incredibly grateful for all the people that came out to shows this week, uh, in uh, everywhere Utah, you. Washington. And now Boise. We had a weird, we had a weird show in Boise last night, but we are, uh, but still a ton of podcast fans came came out. We got two more in Boise. I loved While-
1: everyone but the lady. Yeah. The one, the lady that had to get escorted out. Uh huh. Yeah the the worst kind. Jessa of-
0: Jessa uh, screamed at a heckler last night, and I've never gotten to see her do it, and it was actually really cool.
1: I never, uh, I, I barely acknowledge hecklers. I don't get heckled very often. And then I barely acknowledge them because it's such a, it's a huge derail for someone who's telling a story. Because it's not like, tipi- if, a, if a heckler interrupts a joke, you would just dump that joke and move on. Like, you don't want to be like, okay, now where was I? But because, like, I tell seven minute long stories, if if I stop to acknowledge a heckler, they they are fucking up a giant story but a lot of times when they yell stuff out you can yell something funny back but one brand of heckler that you cannot stop without having them escorted out of the building is the drunk white lady in the front row how they always end up in the front row i have no idea but the bitches that just talk loudly to their friend in the front row, you can't, if you say something to them, then they just spend the rest of the show going, I don't even think this chick is funny. I don't know why she said that to me. Like, that's how that always works out. They Mm -hmm. have to be escorted out. So the whole time she was doing it, I was just searching for staff or like a manager or like trying to get eye contact with you. Something to be like, just get, just get her out. Cause I'm a cunt about heckling. Like if you just leave. Just don't be here anymore. I don't want to fucking play. That's not what everyone is here for. And she was so loud that I could not hear my own words coming out of my mouth or my own thoughts. And it fucked one whole story up, like one whole thing. And then there were people on the side that I couldn't, that seemed really frustrated. And I was like, I think they're frustrated with her. You know, I don't think that they're like, I think they're here on purpose and they're frustrated with her, but I end up not freaking out on her until the end. I had made a couple like low key comments her. she got up and went to the bathroom and I just said, please don't come back. And, yeah. um, I said, I have the joke about my kids shutting the fuck up and I like stared in her face while I said it, but Which was the, my favorite by the time I knelt down into her face and screamed, shut the fuck up. And she just was Like I was uh, two feet from her face down Uh on the ground Uh and she was just, she was like shrinking back and looked like she might cry. And her husband was just a little bitch because he was (laughs) just like, didn't know how to react. Then she tried to argue with me. He was like, I was laughing, which she was in the beginning. So I couldn't do, she was laughing through setups though. And so, um, then I told her to just hold her breath until my story was over and she didn't. <laughs> and she still talked through the whole thing after me screaming shut the fuck up
0: and the audience responded too they clapped they all the yeah. people in the back also yelling at her to shut up
1: yeah no the, the and the whole side that had looked frustrated the first time i saw them laugh the whole night was the last story cuz that was the most quiet that she was and um, at one point she said, I can't believe she just did that. And I said, I should have done it 20 minutes ago. <laughs> and everyone was like, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I just, knew, like, I knew you would have handled her better. You uh, even
0: said, you're like, Aaron will be up in a minute and yeah. he'll deal with it. And I'm like, hey, just stop putting that on me.
1: <laughs> I said, he'll tear you apart or something. Cause you would have, uh, but still she would have had to have been escorted out. So mm-hmm. we need like a code word or something for future reference because well I just maybe want one her day we'll work in a
0: proper club that has managers on duty. <laughs> I mean, I think I think that's putting a lot of like w- that we have to have a code word to do it. When, you know, like it's a it, sh- it should have been I comedy clubs should handle hecklers. Yeah, comedy I felt bad should. in Portland. It's, it shows such disrespect to the comedians when the when the club management doesn't do it when the club management is like we would rather have this, this drink money from this terrible person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, we would rather ruin the experience for everyone else here so that I don't have to be a bad guy to come up and, uh, you know, I don't want to do it. And it's, I think, I don't know if it's just the, the, the image of the comic handling the heckler that's so popular that we think that that's, uh, you know, that if management thinks we'll let them do it, you know, we'll let them deal with it. But that's... It should. There, there are comics that handle it on their own, but they shouldn't. That shouldn't be the norm. That should. They shouldn't have to do it.
1: Right. I yeah. I didn't know what. I was so surprised that no staff member had come because she was so loud that I was screw. Like I could only do jokes that I knew were me yelling. There were like shorter bits that I couldn't do because I knew that she would howl through the whole thing and that you wouldn't be able... Like anything that required any type of conversational. And that's why I had to finally freak out on her because I knew that that last bit just requires a little more... uh, like a quieter storytelling style and I couldn't do any bits like that. And I only did like 30 minutes cause I had to get the fuck off the stage.
0: You had, you had another potential closer ruiner in Tacoma, the same joke that you were closing yeah, on. What the you're fuck? doing that same joke. And there so there was a, there was a girl who was advertising those. something in Tacoma where she was walking around town in a dinosaur costume like a dinosaur, uh, uh, hat on, you know, like a mask full like T-Rex head and the venue we had had windows that faced the street and through those windows she couldn't see anyone on stage but she could see like our audience so in the beginning of your set she was standing in the window like waving at people and all these audience members are distracted and they were like laughing at the dinosaur but you had no idea what was behind you it was just like wow they're laughing at weird parts of this joke okay yeah. and I'm like try it I'm, uh, and this girl is just she's getting a reaction from the people she can see through the window she's, she's like playing it up and doing it more mm-hmm. and stuff and then finally you turn around it's and you see this the T-Rex <laughs> behind you and you scream so fucking like, oh my god she leaves and then you do your whole set and I'm like uh, over by the door, getting ready, getting myself psyched up to go. Cause you're on your last joke, and I see T-Rex girl walking back, and so I'm like, I'm not gonna let her fuck up the closer, you know? Yeah. And, and so I just I grabbed this girl and I was like, Hey, hey, just so you know, this show going on in here and it's uh, real distracting. So if you would just like walk by fast this time, you know? And she was like, Oh, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and then uh, like started to walk away. And then immediately came back red in the face and was like, I am so sorry. Uh, What's, uh, I did, I had no idea. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I know it's totally fine. Just you're cool. And she was like, uh, no, I would like to stay and, uh, apologize to her. And I was like, uh, yeah, you don't have to do that. That's, uh, it's, it's totally good. She's like, I had no idea. And I was like, you didn't, I, she was like, I didn't mean to ruin anything. And I was like, you didn't, you didn't. She played off of it really well. It's just, this is her last joke. And I didn't want you to do it again during this joke. So crisis is already averted. Yeah, No need for apology. Please leave. And she was like, I'm going to stay. <laughs> and I was like, Oh God, uh, I'm trying to get like in a good, like show performing mood. Yeah. And I'm getting this girl's like anxious guilt is creeping into my <laughs> psyche. And I'm like, I just, I need to move away from you. But I, I really don't think uh, uh you should stay and she was like <laughs> I'm gonna stay <laughs> And so then uh, you get off stage and the host, Luke, is bringing me up. And all I got to tell you was like, uh, this T-Rex girl wants to apologize to you.
1: I thought that she worked at the coffee shop. And I thought that she thought this was going to be a funny thing. But then when I you get off stage, I thought that because then she was like, you're so funny. So I thought she was there
0: for the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> she was there. She was there for the uh, vibrators like a, a litter of kittens. And like, this woman's <laughs> hilarious. That's all she heard.
1: And then um, she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's like, it's fine. And then she was like, try the dinosaur head on. <laughs> And this is the part where the social anxiety, you can just lead me into really bizarre things if I'm not comfortable in the interaction just because I'm on autopilot. And so I was like, no, I don't want to try that on. And she was like, just try it it on, try it on. And I still don't know who this person is. I think she's like the manager of this fucking coffee shop.
0: It turns out it's Ashley. (laughs) 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 You still don't know. (laughs) You're like, all right, first you were blonde, then you're brunette. Now you're a, a, a velociraptor. How am I supposed to keep this straight?
1: <laughs> so I try on this fucking dinosaur head and it's like steamy, but there's an ice pack in it. I don't know. It's weird. I just like put it on and took it right back off. I was like, okay.
0: <laughs> she has an ice pack taped in there. <laughs>
1: The whole mouth was like a. I was like, "What is this thing?" She's like, "Oh, that's an ice pack because it gets very sweaty."
0: (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Oh
1: god! Anyway, shoot me. So good to know that she was just a random person walking down
0: the street, sweating in a. Yeah, you got random person sweat on you. (sighs) The future. So cool, right? All of those amazing new innovations that are going to make life even better. Like, wouldn't it be great to have a car that changes color to match your mood? Oh, wait. Even better. Your outfit. Buick is thinking about the future every single day. A future built around you. With super smart Buick EVs that can make your life even better. And it's all out there waiting. So let's go to the future together. Join us at Buick.com future. Anywho, this is our last stop on the tour, and next week, if you're in Utah and you want to come see a show, but without the uh, the awful interactions with Jessa, good news—I'm <laughs> performing by myself uh, in Murray, Utah, Friday, July 27th. That's this Friday at a place called The Ice House. The Ice House in Murray, Utah. I'm uh, on Friday, July 27th. I'll be there. And if you live in southern Idaho and missed our Boise shows on July thirty-first, I will be at in Twin Falls at TF Brick House with Jinx Jenkins, actually, who we just recorded a really cool Patreon episode with. Oh, speaking oh. of that episode, you remember the episode we talked about voices yeah. and the computer the how you view your head as a computer yeah. and stuff. So um I had weird I had a powerful experience, a yeah. powerful experience that, I don't know, I don't know. I, it just, all I'll say is like, I don't, it just, it made me, it helped, me, it's helped me feel better. That's yeah. all I know. That's all I know. So it was powerful for you. It was powerful. It was powerful for me. I just feel weird. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is what happened. We had talked about voices for a long time. Yeah. You had done a podcast with Bert Kreischer about voices. Then you did a podcast. Well, that we talked about. We talked to Paul about voices. And then we had been talking about it. I had the thing.
1: And then I had the thing where I told the voice it wasn't real. And it hasn't happened since.
0: Yeah. Do you want to tell that story?
1: Just I was having these like weekend long anxiety things. And then at the end of like four straight days of anxiety. And I had... Put myself on all kinds of restrictions. Like I won't confront anyone while under the influence of this voice. I started writing letters.
0: Which voice is this? This, this
1: is uh, the the very critical voice that people have that tells you nobody mm-hmm. loves you. Nothing's ever going to happen for you, whatever. It makes me very confrontational because it, it, a lot of it for me is directed at protecting myself from other people. You want
0: to push people away. Yeah. If you guys need a, a refresh, like if you didn't listen to this episode that we're referencing... Uh, go back and listen to that one first. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, go all the way back go to the beginning. Or you're not going to Or you're going to be like, did what, this bitch just say uh, alien. an alien put a computer in her head? <laughs>
1: uh, so, yeah, last week I talked about, uh, I, I believe that there wasn't last week, but... Yeah, that there's, uh, that there's not just one voice in your head and that it, there are different parts of yourself... And I had been dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression and just kind of this voice that uh, a friend of mine called a fictional bully that will uh, fuck up your relationships and be like, somebody says something and then you're like, oh, he just, he's mocking you. He doesn't like you. He doesn't care about you. Nobody cares about you, blah, 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 like that really heavy voice. And so I had been having a lot of kind of confrontations with this voice and a month ago
0: and in that episode uh, just for because it will be important later i believe in i said a couple of times how that i made jokes about how that voice just is me yeah and i said well yeah that's my inner monologue that's s- that's all yeah that's that's me and i anyway, think
1: your entire generation talks about uh depression and mental health stuff uh it's very prevalent i think it was prevalent with my generation too but there's a lot more uh, kind of awareness now yeah. but um I have had so much distance between me and this particular voice or it has taken it was more subtle or something. But as I started kind of isolating it and being like, "Okay, I think I'm being destructive in my relationships and friendships because of this voice, I started kind of standing up to it or kind of trying to 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 take it out. And as a result, I was having these crazy like four days of anxiety, can't leave my room. And uh, the last time that it happened, it was like four straight days. And I had written, I wanted to confront people during that time. And I had written the letters to them in my phone and refused. I wouldn't send them. I put like a 72 hour wait and then was reading the letters back to myself as if they were written to myself because that's what I think was happening. I think I was projecting. And then on the last day... I just had this moment where I said, you're not real, like this absolute realization that this was an illusion and that it was not real. And it just was gone after that, just over. Hmm. And it felt like I tried to show you the end of Labyrinth, Labyrinth, where she just says, you have no power over me. And it was over. And I've had several things recently where I feel triggered by something, and once I super ice, like I I I figure it out as a trigger when it pops up. Rather than being triggered into a behavior, it just pops up, and I can just it just has like trigger written across his forehead. And I've I've been able to overcome a lot of mental health stuff like that recently. Anyway, I thought maybe that it's not real thing was relevant to your story.
0: Yeah, so I called Jess and told her about this as soon as it, it happened. I wanted to. Remember it as best I could because I was high at the time, <laughs> and I was like, I want to remember this. So that's a disclaimer that I'll put on the the whole thing. But I just, I kind of like, I kind of like when we does that for me. I feel the girl who finally sold me on acid because everyone had told me about acid always like everyone had scary stories they would tell me they're like oh acid you're thinking about it let me tell you a story of the worst trip I ever had <laughs> and I was like uh, so all I collected were bad trip stories and I thought this sounds like a terrible drug why would anyone do it but this girl was telling me about how she does it quarterly or if she has a big problem that she can't solve or if she's hung up on something, she'll set aside time to do acid because she was – she. Was, I remember her doing this circle with her hand around the top of her head like a halo, you know, saying like your brain works like this and thinks like this and then psychedelics take you – up and then she like lifted her hand up higher to like a higher plane and then start and you and it changes your brain patterns. It allows your brain to move in different ways and you approach problems from different angles, you know, wow. and it opens things up that you hadn't seen before. And I think about that all the time because every now and then I get. Well, I think about it specifically when I have one of these moments, but I'll be, I'll just be, it's just always weed. It's never, right. I didn't, that one time we did acid, I never had any really profound thoughts or anything. But, uh, when I'm, when I'll get high on weed, uh, I will, uh, does high on weed make me sound Mormon? I'm just not sure if that's a, uh, like, is that redundant or is that proper? I don't, high on, I mean, if on you're weed.
1: talking about different drugs, yeah. But if you were okay. just like, sorry, I'm high on weed right now. <laughs>
0: I don't think I would do that I hope not but I um wanted to Fuck sorry. I just
1: realized you're looking for a screenshot because I, I was like is he just
0: no I'm trying to find I'm trying to was. find that picture that I sent you I'm sorry I found it though I found it because I want to read from it uh anyway I, so many times when I'm high I will have a realization that changes something big for me that changes the way I approach problems with Tabitha or how I feel about myself yeah and it's because I I'm thinking in weird ways. And sometimes when I say something back after I have one of these huge epiphanies, it just sounds dumb. It sounds really regular. Like, you didn't know that already? And I'm like, oh, well, I mean, I kind of, I mean, yeah, of course I knew that, but like now it clicks. It makes sense. Yeah, so
1: not you don't know it. You understand it. You yeah. haven't been able to apply it. And so it. I just,
0: I give these disclaimers because I'm afraid that I'm going to sound dumb uh, for, but it it, it just, anyway. This thing happened. I was high and I was reading an article about Anthony Bourdain. Um, And the, uh, well, before we get to the article, I'll read you uh, the journal that I was reading. So I got it to my missionary journals. Which I've I've never kept a journal except for the two years that I was a missionary because you're supposed they tell you in the missionary handbook that you're supposed to write in your journal every day and I didn't want to let God down so I wrote in my journal every day and I actually really like them I am pretty funny I'm like yeah oh, look, it's really and I've so noticed. I pulled them out I pulled them out to read and I pulled out my last journal and it turns out that I had two entries in there post mission that I had forgotten about. One of them is just this really long, really beautiful um, entry about how I met the girl of my dreams uh, named Tabitha. <laughs> and it's all about how, I, how the first time we met and then it talks about how we dated and then it ends with me saying that I just proposed to her and I tell the whole story, like every detail that night because I didn't want to forget every little thing that happened. I wrote it all down and it ended with like, uh, I'm so excited to spend the rest of my life loving tabitha and learn and like you know blah 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 and uh the very next page there's nothing in between <laughs> the very next page starts out why doesn't she love me <laughs> oh, you a, didn't even
1: give a divider no i didn't God. <laughs> I
0: was, like, never nice to the, yourself the hash i'm not i'm not uh though but the hashtag would alone version of myself was savage man yeah. he thought he thought it would be so funny to not have any warning in between those two things <laughs> like my de- my future descendants are reading their great great grandpa's journal and they're like oh this is when he was a missionary and oh look oh he found love oh he's so happy and oh god damn <laughs> this got dark so fast there was there wasn't even like a sign or so this Ugh. grandpa had a bad week <laughs> Um, but it's all really whiny and bitchy. So this is, I wrote this while in Italy when I took that eat, pray, love trip to go soothe my heart. I wrote this on a train in Italy and I had forgotten about it. Um, I don't think it's whiny or bitchy by the way. It it sounds like my live journal from high school. (laughs) I just, there's no death cab lyrics in it. That's the only thing. That's it.
1: No, That's it's it. you're Tell trying me. to dice. I do stuff like this my journal, not my journal, it's just whatever paper is around me is if I'm trying to g- figure something out, I'm you're dissecting Yeah, like
0: the letters you wrote to yourself. This reads yeah. like something I'm writing. Yeah, I'm, it's all exactly. rhetorical questions that I'm posing to myself. Uh, you and me like Thing, getting in our own heads mm-hmm. but i only ever seem to write when i am super sad yeah well, i shit it's hard to figure I, out. I had a blog for a second where i was writing really sad divorce posts oh. um uh it's still out there fans you can go find it <laughs> um uh all right i i'm gonna read everything then why doesn't she love me <laughs> a poem by aaron woodall <laughs> it's not i promise <laughs> Uh, I think that's the question behind everything. Even though I rarely think it, it's always there. It just sits there behind everything. Whatever is playing, it's always behind the curtain. Lurking in the corner of my every thought. Do you see how corny this sounds? I don't. Did you this forget is... that line? Lurking in the corner of my every thought. What does it matter? Why should I care so much? Why did I put all of my worth into her? Do I really have none for myself? Then I thought about it. <laughs> Uh, I am not nice to myself. <laughs> um, why do I let other people tell me what I'm worth? Because it's hard to figure out yourself. I don't know. Maybe because there's a chance my value will go up if I put it in someone else's hands. I never really liked myself, and people have always made me feel better about myself. I don't know how much Tabitha really loved me, but she loved me more than I loved myself, and that felt great. And that was the important part. That was the part yeah. that I was like, "Shit, you're right. I'm not." Because I had said to you before, when you would talk to me about being in the in the locked room, yeah, no doors and no. Uh, That's what the, it felt like was yeah. being in
1: a, locked in a room with no windows and no doors, and just me and this voice.
0: And I had said other things like when I'm really depressed, and I, s- I spend a couple of days in my room feeling sorry for myself. The way I describe it is that I'm not being very. I'll notice that I'm not being kind to myself because I'll catch myself thinking lots of negative thoughts about myself, and it's also just been a problem lately that I've been thinking about that you have and other people have brought to my attention that I have I I really have a different opinion of myself than other. Oh shit! Oh, this is all right. I'm sorry if I'm talking too much on this one, uh, but I. There was a night that I did a show in Las Vegas and it was a, a show we, and I did so many drugs that night. I, I, I did dabs. I had like this, smoked weed on this huge dab rig and then some cocaine and then Molly for the rest of the night. And I did not have fun. It was, it was not a fun night and I wasn't enjoying it at all. And somewhere around sunrise I, I walked into a bar and, and went into the bathroom and just stared at myself in the mirror and i'm just staring into my eyes which i couldn't because my therapist had told me that i needed to look in the mirror and say positive things like compliment myself and i could not do it i couldn't look into my it's it was like it sounded like like a really dumb exercise but when it came down to it i couldn't stare into the mirror and say nice things the closest i got was like aaron you're you're great. You're good. You're pretty good. You're all right. You know what? You're all right. Like let's not get carried away, but you're all right. Uh-huh. For, I mean, a lot of people think you're all right. Yeah. It, like immediately
1: that, to what other people think.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like that's uh I'm I think I don't immediately I don't totally remember that. I'm just kind of yeah. exaggerating now, but I think You and I have talked a lot about I care a lot about what people think yeah, Uh, and so that day that morning in Las Vegas staring into my uh, Coked out bloodshot eyes. I was like everyone thinks you're great and you don't what's your deal? Why why does everyone everyone likes you? Everyone likes you and you don't like yourself. What's wrong with you? And I had completely forgotten about that memory. I don't know. I, I didn't have an answer that day. I was just like, "But I." It's I had forgotten that I was even contemplating it back then. You see, everyone, drugs are good. That's a <laughs> that that's a good thing to say on a podcast full of like uh, <laughs> recovering, recovering. <laughs> addicts, listeners. I apologize. I have been thinking about that more. People compliment me all the time, and I shrug it off. Every I do not believe any nice thing people say to me, but I will believe every mean thing that they say about me. Right? Any any sort of the the small like smallest comments. Uh, yeah, we we'll get take. a
1: million compliments, yeah. and then and one then s- criticism, someone, and, yeah. and you're
0: uh, like someone, like people that have said Aaron talks too much on the podcast. You already heard on this podcast how self conscious I am yeah. about being the guy who talks too much on the podcast. But like when people say. Uh, Aaron, you're you're a really great person. You're uh, one of the best I've ever met, and wonderful to be around and improve everyone's life. I'm like, ha, 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 I like you too, man. What's uh, <laughs> you know, like I don't, I just, I don't, I, I, just think that that's like a nice thing that people are saying. I don't. It's weird to live in a in a in a reality that like that seems different from everyone else. Like everyone else has a completely different perception of me, and I feel like I'm not that that like, I'm a con man. The, if you really when you really get to know me, you would know that I'm a piece of shit and that and not worthy of your love or affection. So, uh, it's a know, it's a fucking Well, problem. I think
1: I think if the reality that you live in is this and and so I've talked about seeing reality through other people's eyes and like when this is not happening came out and I was reading every comment And other comics were like, don't read the comments. And I'm like, I don't... The only... The people call me crack whore and women aren't funny and uh, she's disgusting. Look how old she... Like, I don't care. I don't give a fuck what any of those people think. I just don't care. It also doesn't resonate with how I feel about myself. But there was one comment that talked about... Uh, The timing of the joke that I was already self-conscious about because it was something that as I I ran that story, getting that story ready. As a comedian, when you tell a joke, you know where the big laughs are, the small laughs are, and you are able to time your breaks because you're not supposed to talk over the people laughing. And this was the weirdest and only bit I've ever done that was never consistent. It was never the same twice ever. And so I had to wait on every single line to let the audience laugh. Plus, you couldn't tell when the actual audience was laughing on that thing. So the the second I watched it, I was like, ah, goddamn it. You can't even hear the audience laughing. It looks like I'm just sitting there for no reason. I was self-conscious about that. So when the sub-thread started about... My timing, I agreed. I re- it resonated with me. There's five hundred uh, comments about probably not you being that
0: a junkie. Yeah. Junkie a lot of, whore, and uh like, wow.
1: derogatory, this is more sad than whatever. I don't care. I don't give a fuck what your opinion is. I'm not your cup of tea. I don't care. But that you doesn't cared resonate. about the timing comments. I, because it resonated. So if I believed myself to be not funny or old or crackhead or whatever, I like if I gave a fuck about any of that stuff, if it resonated with me, I would those things would affect me deeper. But they don't resonate with me because I just think uh you don't you don't get it. You're not, I I just don't think everyone is for everyone and I don't care. I don't care. For the most part, people who don't enjoy me, I think I wouldn't like you either, bro. You know, (laughs) you're not, you're not, you don't seem intelligent or someone that I would enjoy. But I
0: need everyone to like me. But then you don't even believe them when they do. uh, when, it re- when they tell me I'm funny, I believe that. Yeah, <laughs> That's the one you thing know that you're resonates. funny. I do, I do. I, I know that I'm funny. And so I love when people tell me that I'm funny and I need. And so then, I don't know, maybe that's why I've devoted so much time to stand up. Because I'm like, this is the... This that is, you believe that's where yeah, your worth is? Yeah, this is the feedback is. that I believe. Yeah, that's the... Yeah, well, well said, well said. I... Uh, all the bad things mostly resonate with me, though.
1: I just wonder, I wonder this all the time about Tabitha, like, uh, because I don't know that much about how it was. Had it gone bad a long time ago, but that just felt, that resonated with you. Because uh, living every day with someone who maybe wasn't in love anymore with you resonated with how you see yourself?
0: Mm, Damn. Yeah, probably. I think... Well, I know like for the last 2 years like she I just couldn't get a compliment from her to save my life. And now and I thought I hated that. It made me it was a lot of fr- I remember being very hurt over it and like bringing it up in the divorce and stuff and being like I compliment you every day, tell you nice things constantly, hoping that you will say something nice back to me and you don't. And uh, at the time I thought that I hated that, but now that I've been you know, with other women and dating people and they've have complimented me. Mm-hmm. It feels, I, I haven't liked it. I ha- it's the, so I've, I think that I have a real fear of intimacy. I think that, uh, when people s- offer me love, it feels like a trap. It feels like they are going to trick me uh it feels like pressure that i can't live up to it feels painful maybe not painful but uncomfortable it makes my shoulders tense like i i i try to push people away when they are trying to be nice to me and so now that you say that i i mean maybe i di- I, I didn't like it but maybe i was more comfortable there maybe i i was comfortable that's what i thought in of an myself
1: in unrequited love uh
0: yeah i wonder I mean, what it was
1: like early on
0: early on i think we were both young lovers in love you know uh i just think that we weren't great for each other for an extended period of time and i think we grew up a bit and things got worse you know and but i don't think and we never i think things were bad but i don't think things were mean until the divorce then things got like way worse but um that's not i mean that's that's that definitely tabitha hasn't helped my well so i'm trying intimacy, to figure out it, the but i think i think from. that uh you haven't it hasn't come out yet but that episode of the mental illness happy hour that i did with paul gil martin we talk about it and uh i said it might come out by the time this is out but we were talking about uh, we had both been molested uh, by, you know, relatives, and we were talking about that. And I, so when I brought up the fear of intimacy, and I felt like, and I said that it feel like love feels painful, and I don't want people to love me. He was like, "Well, of course you don't. Someone who was supposed to love you and take care of you hurt you. So yeah, that I mean, And he said it like, "Like of course." And I was like, "Oh, yeah." And it, like, I spent so long dealing with the divorce stuff that I'm still like just unearthing problems with, uh, my sister that I have to like go back and figure out because they, they kind of coincided, you right, know, yeah. I, they, they happened re- pretty close to each other. And I think that the divorce certainly didn't help my issues of intimacy, but I think that they existed before, right. um, and I just you know had buried that memory, so I wasn't aware that like this was causing problems for me. I think it's also where my sense of uh worthlessness comes from, right. you know I think the my sense of uh self all those those issues, the reason I was depressed and stuff all through childhood was because of that, yeah, and so it just just kinda hurts. But here's the, here's the the big realization that I just had when, the night that I was high. Uh, I read my journal that night, and then I was reading this article about Anthony Bourdain. This article was in the Chicago Tribune. It's it like an editorial. Can we talk about alcoholism and Anthony Bourdain by Joanne Tell? Uh, and I was reading it. And I read something that, like, opened something up inside me. And this ex- this was the experience that I called and told you about because I didn't want to forget it, because it felt like Im- important and stuff. It just, yeah, it, it was it was it was almost surreal. I read this sentence and I just kept reading right on past it, but like it started clicking something inside me, like something deep in my chest started clicking together and. A voice was saying something, but it was soft and I was like trying to ignore it. I was trying to keep reading the article, but I kept could like hear this in my inner monologue, this faint something from deep inside my chest coming up closer to my head louder, repeating itself over and over again as something clicked into place. And I knew that I needed to go back. I knew that something had triggered it. And then I needed to go back and read it. And I didn't want... To, I was like, that's dumb. But I was like, fine. I scrolled back up. I started reading the thing again. And uh, he said, this man on the move had to stop sometimes. No cameras, no action, just himself. I don't know him. But I do know addiction. And it can be a fiercely critical companion. Like you called the who called it mary was it mary they called it the fictional bully yep all right so he's talking specifically about addiction here but i i i I don't struggle with addiction but i do struggle with a fiercely critical companion and like suddenly when he's those words i just something i i I saw Mm -hmm. this image of someone like in the back seat of my car just yelling at me you know like just so i said he It can be a fiercely critical companion that may take a back seat, but lies in wait. It can tear us down, and sometimes just won't shut up, goading, shame, provoking self-loathing, and inviting emotional isolation. Phew! I made it through that sentence. (laughs) Yeah, it's (laughs) a a little close there. Yeah. (laughs) But I, when I read it again, that little voice that kept repeating itself, that Mm -hmm. got louder. Like it finally, like got up into my head and it said, what do you mean it's not me? And something clicked where like, I suddenly saw my inner monologue that I joked about in that other episode that I talked about. Like, that's what all I think. Yeah, That's all I think all the time are mean thoughts about myself. I am not kind to myself. I say all these things about me, myself and something clicked that it's not me. It's a, it's a companion that's that lies in wait to criticize me. And I said, what do you mean it's not me? And I just started crying. I started weeping as I was like, my laptop was on my chest. I'm laying in my bed reading this article about Anthony Bourdain and I'm just crying. And I think I know part of it was relief. I think most of it was relief. Like it was, it was relieving to think that I don't hate myself, that I really don't that those times when i have moments of clarity and i think you know i am as great as other people think i am like oh okay those times when i am certain of myself and i'm sure that i'm a good dad that i'm a compassionate person that i care about other people that i make other people happy that that's me yeah. and this other thing is just a voice like what Jessa said it's just a voice it's a program it's a virus and it's and like i felt relief that that there was hope that there was a solution like if i know what the problem is now now i can fix it the way Jessica goes in and tears out wiring and stuff like i can attack this virus but i think i also cried because i was scared it was scary to think i had the flash of uh of aubrey plaza demon in legion in my head when i thought when i thought about fierce critical companion now it can tear us apart and won't shut up yeah like i i I was still I was like I was sad and scared as I had this realization there's a demon in me and it hates me like there's something inside of me that that hates me and it has access to the controls of my, like how I feel it works my heart for me and it hates me that's fucking uh what would the what did the aliens call demons what were they what was uh, a
1: negative thought uh uh, was it negative thought energies like neg- like uh programs is what I would call it now like uh. the what they were getting at that they were just uh their own their own entity but not we have all these weird ways of looking at things because of because of religion. But it was, you know, it was just a part of you that's not a part of you. Like an optional part of you. And you can just write over it and remove it. Stop stop calling it you. Critical companion is the best description of what I was trying to articulate. That's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. And that's a great way to describe addiction and a great way to describe depression.
0: Absolutely. I, Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, so I called I, well, I didn't call you. I left you a Marco Polo. Mm-hmm. and I was like, please don't reply to this. I'm very high. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I'm not gonna listen. <laughs> uh, but I just mo- mostly just wanted to remember it. Maybe I had just been like hung up on the fact that I was like I had been reading my diary that night and I was like, this is something I should save. We have so many experiences, maybe experienced the wrong instances. Where you to ask me about something that I told you one time, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, that that nightmare that you had that symbolized everything about your sister, and I'm like, what what nightmare? And you're like, you know, it's, a, it's the so one. strange. And then you like show me the screenshots of of something I said, and I was like, oh, yeah. Well, I, did, I think I specifically wanted to forget that dream. Yeah, that no, dream. That it was it was, it was a nightmare uh, about my sister and about my son, and it was just, uh, it's it scared me to death. I didn't want to, but it was it was very important. Um, and I felt like this was something I wanted. I don't know. it was, it was just it felt like, whatever it, it, it was, I don't know. It felt like it felt like the old days when things were uh, sacred. When they, I was just at the Utah Arts Fair with a friend, and we saw this glass engraving of the Salt Lake Temple, and it reminded me of how uh, important pictures of the temple were in my house. My, That's like we had temple is very important to Mormons. We talk about it all the time. You're supposed to have images of the temple in your home. To you're supposed to be looking towards the temple, like King Benjamin's people. It's all very. And so like these paintings and stuff that my mom hung in our house were super important. And now it's like, that's nothing. And so, I, so we saw this engraving and my first reaction was to laugh. And I said, huh, remember when that uh, was sacred? And then I immediately was like, I miss when things were sacred. I miss having uh, that connection that like when something had meaning, you know, even though uh, and that's and so that's what that experience felt like. It felt like, uh, something the old days when I would have been like moved by the spirit that I, uh, would have wanted to, you know, write in my mission diary about a powerful learning experience. God had granted me that day and I was just probably feeling nostalgic. And so I was like, I want to make sure I, I keep a record of this. So when I wanna remember this, this experience,
1: yeah, I, it makes me sad. We talked about this the other day at that meeting where you're in this kind of like uh, losing your religion phase of things and uh, it's it's still a little black and white for you. So it's like, well, I believed all this. This all meant something to me. And now I found out that this church isn't true. So now things don't mean anything. And it's like, well, um, it was true while you were in it. Reality is perception-based, whatever christians like Christianity's true for them that is their reality that's the reality that they live in and for me i'm having revelations or what like i'm having supernatural experiences like uh you had
0: which are great for you i always love i always like and i
1: but they're special to me, so they're special. They're sacred to me, so they're sacred. Yeah. I had something the other day where I put my hand down and there was a broken mirror, a piece of broken mirror underneath it. And the broken mirror means something to me, means something to something I'm dealing with currently right now. So I knew that that I knew. For me, that that uh, experience was something between me and my higher self uh, who puts things in my way. There are songs sometimes that uh, I don't know this song. I've never heard this song before. It comes on and I know that the words in the song are specific for me right then. I communicate with my higher self like that. That's all sacred. That all means something. I don't need another person to believe that it's true for it to be true. All that matters is what I believe. So even if it is nothing, this is one life and it means nothing. uh, Whatever importance I place on something is important for me. It doesn't have to, you know, Mormonism wasn't something that you figured out on your own. It's something you were taught your entire life by a bunch of people that claim to be, um, but the experiences that you had with your higher self during that time those were real maybe I don't know for you maybe did they do something in your life did they did you have things that change your life
0: I don't know no like I feel like the cumulative at the time at that time but like in the cumulative, like now, what what did those things do for me? And most of them fucked me up in some way. Like yeah. Most of them. Uh, I, said, were change life, the I yeah. said change your life, not for the good. I just said change your life. Do they affect you? But I, yeah, well, that's why I'm not gonna put meaning on anything anymore. I just I'm like I'll I'll go. Maybe this means something. Yeah. But I just it, and maybe it's just a piece of glass that I saw. That because life is random and nothing means anything. But I can still like take a lesson from something. I just don't like believe that uh anything is communicating with me anymore. I don't think I'm getting messages from from anything. I just feel like this happened and I learned something from it.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess if it's not if it's not fun and not enjoyable then there's no reason to to do it that way. But I think this experience I would say I would say that the combination of me talking constantly about voices, we happened to do a podcast with someone who, who talked about it. I did another podcast with someone who talked about it. I ran into another friend and was talking to her about it and she was like, Oh, me too. This is all like this has been like three weeks that I have been nonstop talking about this and a lot of people are having the same experience right now. And then you get high, which I for some reason you want to discount the experiences you have sometimes when you get high, but... um, And I do know a lot of recovering addicts listen to this, so, like, obviously, you're not an addict, Uh but when I was... When I was on meth, like, my whole life... My whole life changed when I was on meth. I had uh, an awakening, and I took two decades off of processing my childhood by leaving society and doing that. That's not the typical... <laughs> experience on math <laughs> that's not how it usually plays out for people but all yeah, of these do not try this at home yeah i'm not saying i'm not pro math but all of these super transformative experiences for me happened while on drugs i don't sometimes i talk to people who are like yeah but i mean like you're high and i'm like yeah yeah that's fine this who i am today is as a result of those experiences
0: Well i don't i don't just discount because i'm high i i I, I discount all of it. Yeah. But uh, well, while I, number one, have most of my spiritual experiences now while I'm on drugs, that's when I feel like I'm most in tune with my feelings. Mm-hmm. And when I say drugs, I just mean weed. <laughs> uh, high on weed, you guys. Uh, and I, it's just the, e- it's an easy excuse. I just, I want, I qualify it all. I couch it all in saying, well, I don't know. It probably doesn't mean anything, but... But because it, it's the same, it's the same thing. It's the same thing as intimacy. So I, I feel like I, in the, the way I said before that like Tabitha and the, and the memory of my sister happened around the same time. Also, the third big thing that happened was my fallout with God that happened all around the same time. And I think that they all affect me. I feel like spirituality is intimacy. So if I'm afraid of intimacy, I'm afraid just I got I I I gave someone my whole heart and I loved them so much. And it turned out bad for me. I ended up getting very hurt and I felt like an idiot. And I'm like, well, I'm just not gonna give anyone my heart again. I'm not gonna let anyone in close to me. That's a trap. And in the same way, I had given my whole self to a belief i was a believer i believed i as we say in testimony meeting with every fiber of my being i knew that Joseph Smith had restored the true church and only Church of God on the earth, that the Book of Mormon was true, that Jesus Christ was real, that he was coming again. I knew it. I knew it and I was wrong. I felt it is it's not. I felt like an idiot. I felt tricked. Someone just asked me a few weeks ago if I ever feel betrayed by God. And I'm like, yeah. I absolutely, I feel heartbroken. I feel heartbroken in the same way that I do about Tabitha. I, I just, I, I miss him. I, 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 I long for him and I feel stupid. I feel shamed. So I don't want to make that mistake again. So I couch everything and qualify it and say, I don't know if this means anything because but like blah blah when you you and i first met i was way more excited about alien school stuff and uh, ascension stuff all this cool stuff that you told me and i saw signs in things you know and i and then i quit doing that because i didn't i felt stupid i felt dumb and i was like i don't want to be wrong again so i just believe in nothing instead i don't it just it also felt weak it felt like there was a problem with me and that's why i stayed in mormonism so long like everyone who got out earlier than me was smarter than me and i just was this weak person who needed a higher power needed to see signs in order to feel good about himself and it felt like i was immediately latching on to another belief system so that i could see meaning in my day and so that i could have something so that i could blah 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 i'm not very nice to myself am i You're just getting sadder and sadder and sadder. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, I'm warming up.
1: <laughs> uh, you are very passionate about uh, how, how, how stupid I am. Yeah.
0: Uh, that's when I get into your face. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And again, I apologize for talking too much. Please no more emails. about it. <laughs> uh. Uh. <laughs> anyway, I think since you said you're not real. How long ago was that?
1: I well, just the time. I think it's been a month, but
0: okay. How have you been since then?
1: When were you in Boise?
0: I don't know. Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, it's been about a month. Right? Okay. Woohoo! Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't understand. I've just. I just had this experience. Yeah. It's like four days ago or something, but um, since then. It's been okay. I mean, my depression usually comes in cycles. So, I mean, we'll see. I'm probably due for a cycle. But uh, I don't think that the voice is just going to go away. But I think that I am the same way that I got better at recognizing that, that quote unquote voice of jealousy and stuff. Like I want to get better at recognizing this voice of criticism. Yeah. And not like it's not, it's not me. It's not. It's it's somebody dressed up like me trying to pretend to be... But he just... He's an asshole and he doesn't like me for some reason. And I do not have to listen to him. Right. I can... I can set my own reality I can choose to be I can decide to, to think that I'm a great person that I'm worthwhile that I'm worth loving uh I'm we'll get there you know baby steps yeah. <laughs> first I, I, I like it's also just really great for me when I'm just like ooh I have nice shoulders I think my shoulders look nice like that's a that's a baby step yeah we'll, we'll start with, with just small aspects of myself, but I think that I I'm looking forward to conquering that voice. I'm looking forward to getting over it and him just being a small little thing in the corner that tries to lash out sometimes and I just don't have to listen to him.
1: For me, it was uh, something happened. We're going to get into another podcast, but something happened where I, pushing you out of my life, like just trying to push you out of my life, uh, uh, hurt you, whatever, because I, I get under the influence of this voice, I get, if someone's close to me, I get paranoid. And, um, yeah, this was a long time ago.
0: This was, yeah, this was April ago. something. Yeah.
1: So, um, but after that act out, which used to be the uh, daily activity for me, I started examining. And this is when I started going inside of myself and digging through like, why, why would I, uh, hurt someone I care about? Like, why would I have gotten so uh, mean with him out of nowhere and so I'm like digging through fear of abandonment and like, like you know looking into all this stuff and then it's almost like I picked a fight with this because that's when the anxiety attack like I it was not anxiety attacks is in the uh, heart thing that happens, but, but the, the room, they were the room like, with no it was, no it was three days at, of a, at a time locked in a room with no windows and no doors within myself. And like on the outside, I couldn't, I would try to find people to hang out with, like, cause I would feel it coming on and trying to get out of the house. And I couldn't find anyone to hang out with probably cause I was desperate. So I would just be trapped in my room, either pacing around or couldn't get out of bed. I, so every, every time it happened, it was almost every other weekend since April or every third weekend. Every time it happened, it would be different. It would be I would get slightly better the next time. But it was at first it was like hardcore projection, like a like movie playing of something that's not really happening. And then uh, it got bigger. It got the the voice got bigger and louder. And I but it it started feeling more and more separate from me. So I was slowly realizing that this isn't me because at first it was like I uh yeah yeah i'm i'm uh i when i when i hurt you it was i felt like i was protecting myself that this was like some self-preservation and by the last weekend it was speaking in the third person like it was nobody cares about you like it was uh it it felt very separate for me yeah yeah and but but was getting bigger and louder the uh anxiety was at all-time high on the last weekend And I felt like I was, now I'm locked in that room with no windows and no doors, and I'm curled up in the fetal position, and it is to the ceiling high, and it's like dark shadow person. And after three or four days, because it was a long weekend, I woke up, and I was just about to confront someone and I, I sat up in my bed and I it was having this anxiety sleep, this twilight sleep where I don't really sleep and I'm up every fucking 15 minutes looking at my phone. And I sat up and just went, you're not real. And it was gone. And it hasn't come back. I like sketched out every weekend because it just kept happening on weekends. Sketched out every weekend, like trying to hurry up and make plans and make sure I'm not at home alone so it can't get me or whatever. What it felt like is in flatliners, they go to the other side and they come back And then they have to face the worst thing that ever happened to them. And I feel like something triggered this part of me to get loud and nasty. I think I've been, uh, we'll get into this more, like becoming more vulnerable, more soft in the last year. And I just, it was time to confront this part of myself. But I think that most people live with a daily, fiercely critical companion.
0: I definitely did. Huh? Past tense? Yeah. Huh? Is that improvement? I definitely did. I I, guess I know, just I've never, you never seen flatliners, but I have. Uh, I know we've talked about Legion before on this podcast, but not enough people watch it. If you guys it are interested sucks. in this quarter thing, the show you, is awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say it does not suck. It Sucks that. Uh, uh, but um, if you, it's it's a. It's a st- it's a show about mental health, but told through mutants like an oh, X-Men so good. thing. Uh, but in it, it's the visualization of of mental health problems is amazing. And if you're into this sort of discussion, you should j- definitely check it out. And uh, you can talk about the parallels of it on our Facebook page or, or I guess our, in our Facebook group. Facebook where group. People discuss We stuff. have
1: a subreddit. Yes. That is uh, gaining momentum slowly.
0: Slowly. Very slowly. I want to be Reddit cool so bad. I want to be Reddit cool. I mean,
1: we have a subreddit that we asked somebody to make
0: on. If you guys want us to come perform stand-up in your town, let us know. Send us a message. You can check out our Patreon, Mormon and the Meth Head, you know. But you just have to put a Patreon.com and a slash, and then Mormon in the Method, and then you're there. Yeah, it's it. just
1: that easy. Just that easy. Or you could just Google Mormon in the Method Patreon. Uh, we do interviews with people. We have uh, Paul Gilmartin coming up is the the next episode.
0: How many times do you think we've said Paul Gilmartin in all on this? <laughs> you know, I like saying his name. I it's know. It's fun. But um, uh, yeah, if you want to see our tour schedule, it's on mormoninthemethod.com, and... Also, if you haven't left us a rating or review on iTunes, go ahead and do that. We love those and need some more. And we'll see you guys next week on Mormon in the Method. If you put a Mormon and a Method together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and just so a read our friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. Mormon.
1: off.
0: 5 p.m. emails from your boss. Surprise visits from in-laws. Missing soccer cleats. Lucky California knows it's easy to get thrown off schedule. Let us help you out with home delivery powered by Instacart. You can get groceries delivered in as fast as one hour, including fresh produce and fresh baked bakery items. Right now, you can save $10 when you spend $50 using promo code LUCKYCA10. Place your order at shop.luckysupermarkets.com. Lucky California, the golden state of eating.